Churches burned on Canada Day long weekend, and the media is partially to blame. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. We're witnessing a moral panic in this country over revelations of the alleged discovery of graves at former residential schools across Western Canada. This panic came to a breaking point over the weekend when prominent statues were knocked down and at least 25 churches in Western Canada were either vandalized or completely burnt down. To make the matters worse, several prominent commentators, including politicians, journalists, professors, lawyers, and activists, excused the behavior of the mob. They explained away and justified these riots, and in some cases, they even cheered them on. Burn it all down, said the head of the BC Civil Liberties Association, once the country's strongest voice for protecting the rule of law and civil liberties. Likewise, the chair of the Newfoundland Canadian Bar Association branch said, burn it all down. Or how about this from a radio host in St. John, New Brunswick? Burn the churches down. Arrest any staff that were actually there and any current staff that won't provide documentation. Sell everything they own in Canada and give it to survivors. Dismantle it completely. And finally, not to be outdone, NDP MP Nikki Ashton cheered on the mob who toppled down statues at the Manitoba legislature, calling it decolonization and saying no pride in genocide. This kind of reckless language would be universally condemned if, say, it were right-wing commentators talking about, well, anything. It probably would be considered hate speech. These accounts would be banned from social media platforms, and the individuals behind them would probably have police officers knocking at their doors. Likewise, it doesn't even need to be said, but if instead of churches, these were synagogues, mosques, Sikh temples, or any other sacred space, it goes without saying that every politician in this country would be urgently condemning it. There would be candlelit vigils across the country, and the RCMP would have launched a nationwide manhunt for those responsible. It would be the top ongoing story in the country. Instead, there's a sort of feeling that the church burnings are somehow justified, that this violence is only to be expected, and that this is all somehow a legitimate reckoning for our historical and collective sins. So how did we get here? How did we get to this point of extreme tension, anger, and violence in our country? Well, it's been six weeks now since the allegation was first made by the chief of the Tekemloops Band in Kamloops, British Columbia, who claimed to have discovered 215 unmarked graves belonging to children who attended the residential school there. Since that time, two other bands have come forward with similar allegations, 751 graves found in Kawasas, Saskatchewan, and another 182 in Lower Kootenai, BC. Over these past six weeks, the story has evolved. New facts have been uncovered, and we've gotten a clearer picture of what exactly happened in these communities and what exactly was uncovered. But regardless of these new facts, the media has allowed the narrative to get away from the truth. Sensational headlines exaggerating the story led some to truly believe that these graves were evidence of mass murder, death camps, genocide, and a legitimate holocaust in Canada. So let's take some time today to look at those facts and to dissect the many ways that the media has gotten the story so wrong, which has led us to this place. Okay, first things first, it's important to note that the story at this point is merely an allegation. Nothing has been proven. In fact, no evidence has been put forth for public consideration. No reports have been released. Every news story thus far has merely been based off of the claims made by band leaders from these three bands. 
This may be a minor point, but it's still an important distinction. The typical standard in the media would be to clarify that these allegations have not yet been proven. Second point, there has been incredible confusion over what exactly was discovered here. My friend JJ McCullough has made the same point on Twitter, showing all the various ways that the media have described this discovery. Let me just read a few. So according to NPR, they said that the remains of 215 children have been found in a mass grave. CTV wrote that the 215 children were recently uncovered. Canadian Press said that the unmarked burial site believed to contain the remains of 215 children. CBC said that the remains of 215 children could be buried at the site. Global News said that the remains of 215 children were discovered in an unmarked burial. And another story in the CBC said that the band announced the search had confirmed the presence of the remains of 215 children. So you can see the variation here. The First Nations band leader said that they used ground-penetrating radar. So there was no excavation, nothing was unearthed, nothing was uncovered, there were no bodies found, and no identities confirmed. So let me refer back to a National Post story that I've talked about before on the show, and it explains what ground-penetrating radar actually does. So for this report, they interviewed a professor of anthropology who is also the director of the Institute of Prairie and Indigenous Archaeology. She said this of ground-penetrating radar, quote, It doesn't actually see the bodies. It's not like an x-ray. What it actually does is look for the shaft. When a grave is dug, there is a grave shaft dug, and the body is placed in the grave, sometimes in a coffin, as in the Christian burial context. What the ground-penetrating radar can see is where that pit itself was dug, because the soil actually changes when you dig a grave. And occasionally, if it is a coffin, the radar can pick up the coffin sometimes as well." Unquote. So this technology is not completely accurate, and it doesn't tell us anything about who is buried. So this brings me to my third point about what the media has been getting wrong, and that is whose graves were actually discovered. The first band in Kamloops claimed that the graves belonged to children at the former residential school. So when the second two bands came forth with their claims, many in the media just sort of conflated all the information and said that these graves too were from children at residential school. But that's not what the claim is. In fact, in both the cases of the Kawasis and the Lower Kootenai, the graves were believed to be community cemeteries belonging to both First Nations and the broader Canadian community. So this is tucked away at the very end of a report in the Globe and Mail on the findings of that Kawasis reserve in Saskatchewan. It says this, It appears that not all the graves contain children's body, Lorette said. Lorette is one of the band leaders. He said the area was also used as a burial site by the rural municipality. We did have a family of non-Indigenous people show up today and notified us that some of those unmarked graves had their families in them, their loved ones, he said. So what we have here is an abandoned community cemetery where people of different backgrounds were buried. So that's quite the leap from the original storyline, which were that these graves all belong to children who died at the residential school. And this brings me to my next point. Fourth, these are not mass graves. So we saw this right off the bat. Several media outlets, both in Canada and international outlets like BBC, Al Jazeera, CNN, New York Times, and Washington Post, all erroneously labeled these findings as mass graves. This is incredibly irresponsible. The chiefs themselves explicitly stated that these are not mass graves. This is not a mass grave site. These are unmarked graves. 
So why is this important? Well, mass graves are a hallmark of genocide. They conjure images of pure evil, the kind of evil that characterized the collective governments of the 20th century, governments like Hitler, Stalin, Mao, and Pol Pot. These were truly evil leaders who used mass graves to cover their atrocities and crimes against humanity. These leaders carried out mass murder, and the mass graves went hand in hand. So using this term, mass graves, is wrong, and it's also reckless because it conflates Canada's policy, which was forced assimilation through mandatory universal education, it conflates that with actual Nazi death camps. Now, we should be clear, Canada's policy was wrong, it was misguided, and in too many cases, those who were responsible for caring for children in this country let them down, and they let the whole country down. But that doesn't put Canada's residential schools on any sort of equivalence with Auschwitz and actual Nazi concentration camps. And that brings me to my fifth point, which is also connected, which is the cause of death. So many of the children who died at these schools died of natural causes. According to the Truth and Reconciliation Report in 2015, the number one cause of death for children at these schools was tuberculosis. The number two cause of death was influenza. Now, you can argue that these children didn't receive proper health care and that some of their immune systems simply couldn't handle living in close proximity to other children. But negligence resulting in accidental death is very different from firing squads and gas chambers. And yet, there was this weird universal assumption in the media that the discovery of these graves was somehow evidence of Canada's Holocaust and that these children had been deliberately killed in some kind of a genocide. Look, Genocide requires intent. It requires a concerted and systematic effort to conduct mass murder and eliminate an entire race of people. Canada's residential schools, however misguided, had the intent of educating children, of assimilating them into the broader Canadian population, and ultimately of lifting children out of poverty. The policy was wrong, clearly. It was flawed and it resulted in much harm. But there are a few orders of magnitude that separate the misguided intent of Catholic priests, nuns, and Canadian government officials versus those of Nazi soldiers in the Second World War. Next, the sixth point where the media gets this story completely wrong. It's possible that the graves that we're talking about are not even necessarily unmarked graves. Did you see this story in Global News over the weekend? The headline reads, we knew it was there. Former BC chief says unmarked graves near Cranbrook need more context. And I'm going to read this story almost in its entirety because it's so remarkable. So it says, The detection of human remains in unmarked graves at the site of a former residential school in BC was not an unexpected discovery, according to the area's former chief. On Wednesday, it was confirmed that ground-penetrating radar found 182 unmarked graves in a cemetery at the site of the former Kootenay Residential School at St. Eugene Mission, just outside Cranbrook, British Columbia. The remains were found when remedial work was being performed in the area to replace the fence at the cemetery last year. Sophie Pierre, former chief of the St. Mary's Indian Band and survivor of the school itself, Notice how they use the term survivor. Again, this is supposed to conjure images of Holocaust survivors, and they just, you know, also use it here to describe people who went to a school. But it says, a survivor of the school told Global News that while the news of the unmarked graves had a painful impact on her and surrounding communities, they had always known the graves were there. There's no discovery. We knew it was there. It's a graveyard, Pierre said. The fact that there are graves inside a graveyard shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. According to Pierre, 
wooden crosses that originally marked the grave sites had been burned or deteriorated over the years. Using a wooden marker at a grave site remains a practice that continues to this day in many Indigenous communities across Canada. So when we're talking about these so-called unmarked graves, what we're more likely talking about is abandoned cemeteries. Abandoned cemeteries where people of different backgrounds, not just children from residential schools and not just First Nations people were buried. We should obviously make an effort to address this problem and make sure that graves and cemeteries are cared for. But what an amazing leap of logic to go from an uncared community cemetery to mass graves, mass murder and genocide. Mark Twain once said, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Well, for many journalists, it seems, they never let facts get in the way of a good narrative. And that narrative is that Canada is an evil white supremacist nation that committed genocide against its First Nations people. It's not true, but that is the narrative that they are pushing. So is it any wonder then that some out there are so angered by this news that they've reacted with violence and rioting? Or is it any wonder that a radical faction of the far left are using this crisis as an opportunity to wreak havoc, tear down our history, tear down all the statues, and burn down the churches that they hate so much? Of course, these violent criminals who are burning down churches are the ones who are to blame for their own actions. But the media are also partially to blame for raising the temperature, for pushing a hysterical narrative that in no way represents the facts of this story, and for wrongly and recklessly accusing Canada of unspeakable crimes like genocide. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.